Good afternoon. I'm Jazz Garrett from the capital city on KINY. Whale biologist with the Glacier Bay National Park in Gustavus, Janet Nielsen, says it took a team of National Park Service staff, NOAA, and whale experts to free an entangled humpback whale near Glacier Bay earlier this month. So the first word came through a phone call that was made to the park by some local Gustavus residents. They were actually standing on the dock right there in Gustavus in town, and they they looked out across Icy Strait and they saw pretty close to the dock a whale and it was towing two buoys and every time it dove it was pulling the buoys under with it so they knew it was entangled in them and they did exactly what we hope people will do. There is a marine mammal stranding hotline that NOAA maintains that's staffed 24-7 and that number is available and I have it saved in my cell phone so that's a good number to have. See a marine mammal in distress you can call 877 877- The best thing to do is let people who are trained respond to an entanglement by calling that hotline. After the report came in on October 10th, the park consulted with NOAA to form a rescue plan for the young juvenile whale. And it was uh, entangled in some heavy gauge line and buoys attached to a 300 pound crab pot. Just like human teenagers, juvenile whales are more likely to get into trouble than adults. Any whale can get entangled, but we do know from past records that in past studies that young animals are more likely to get in trouble than the adults. And in this case, we think the animal was about three to four years old and yeah, it had gotten entangled and it had been entangled for several days. We were able to contact the owner of the gear and find out how long it had been lost for. And so we knew, uh, had a pretty good timeline of of how long this animal had been entangled and that played into our assessment of how life-threatening this entanglement was. After the assessment confirmed it was a life-threatening entanglement, the team got to work the next day. We, We really got lucky in this case we had a really great great a team of of folks uh so many people helped with this entanglement a small boat um, that was working on the whale Uh, there were three of us in that boat small inflatable but then we had a safety boat nearby with more park service staff who were all really essential to how this operation played out safely and successfully. And we also um, had a drone pilot, an FAA-licensed drone pilot, who was able to gather imagery from above, um, which really was essential to helping us see what was going on and to determine our, our strategy for cutting this whale free. And that drone pilot happened to be my husband, so... The park keeps stashes of specialized tools on hand that can be used for these types of situations. Now Whale Southeast AK 5490 can be tracked on happywhale.com. It should be ready to migrate for the winter soon, thanks to the team and community effort. Yesterday, U.S. Representative Mary Poltola shared a letter to NOAA Administrator Janet Coyet expressing deep concern over the recent NOAA Fisheries report revealing that nine killer whales were incidentally caught in the Bering Sea and Aleutian Island groundfish trawl fisheries this year, with just one released alive. As the issue of marine mammal interactions and commercial fishing has intensified, Representative Poltola emphasized the urgency of addressing this alarming bycatch problem. Representative Poltola says she is committed to working collaboratively with all stakeholders, fisheries managers, and user groups to develop innovative bycatch solutions at every level, from Congress on down to individual vessels and gear improvements. This comprehensive approach to reducing bycatch would enable responsible fishing practices while protecting marine mammal populations and safeguard Alaska's marine resources for future generations.
Staffer Governor Mike Dunleavy quashed the publication of a new Department of Labor and Workforce Development report examining the competitiveness of teacher pay in Alaska, an act that current and former staff say could damage the apolitical reputation of the division that publishes state economic data. The report, which had been the cover article in this month's edition of Alaska Economic Trends, concludes that Alaska's teachers are paid more than the national average, but that the state's pay premium has declined significantly since the 1980s. In 1980, Alaska teachers' pay was 170% of the national average. In 2022, they earned 111% of the average, falling from first in the nation to 10th among the states and the District of Columbia. The Alaska Beacon obtained a copy of the article from a source outside the Department of Labor and independently verified its content. Trends has been published monthly in some form since January 1961, making it a reliable source for economic data. Dan Robinson, chief of the research and analyst section that publishes Alaska Economic Trends, says he's never seen an article pulled from publication like this in his 20 years with the department. Joshua Warren, the report's author, declined comment on the decision to withhold publication, as did Sarah Whitney, editor of Alaska Economic Trends. Coming up next on News of the North, the Alaska Salmon Research Task Force is seeking public input. That story next with Jordan Lewis. Welcome back to News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. The Alaska Salmon Research Task Force was created by an act of Congress in response to recent unprecedented shifts in Pacific salmon abundance in Alaska. The chair of the Alaska Salmon Research Task Force, Ed Farley, explains their goal. first meeting that we had was in June. Um, we gathered our task force up. We have 19 members. Uh, there was an election. I was uh, elected to be the chair. And so my role <laughs> is to address the purposes and the objectives within in the act and those purposes include you know to ensure that pacific salmon trends in alaska regarding productivity and abundance are characterized and that the research needs are identified to prioritize scientific research needs for pacific salmon in alaska or to address the increased variability or decline in Pacific salmon returns in Alaska by creating a coordinated salmon research strategy and to support collaboration and coordination for Pacific salmon conservation efforts in Alaska. There is an upcoming opportunity for the public to give their thoughts on the existing knowledge and research gaps. Our next meeting is going to be held up in Anchorage. It's a public meeting. Most of our meetings have been held virtually. This will be our only hybrid meeting where most of the task force will be there, but we're inviting uh, the public to come that that meeting is held November 14th and 15th. It's going to be at the William Egan Civic Center, a two-day event. So on the 14th, the task force is going to meet to sort of wrap up our existing knowledge discussions, plus any of our discussion on research gaps. And then on the next second half of that day, we're, we're inviting the public to come in and give comment. And on the 15th, we're going to follow through with a half a day with the task force where we're going to meet to talk about, um, initially start talking about the research needs after our development of initial development of some of the research gaps. This information will be used to develop a coordinated salmon research strategy for sustainable salmon management in Alaska that's due to submit June of 2024. If someone can't make the November meeting, the deadline for submitting public input is March 15, 2024. They can do so via an online form. 
Uh, one thing I, I do want to make sure everyone understands is we have a website. If you just type in the Alaska Salmon Research Task Force in, in whatever browser you have, you'll, you should find that there's a NOAA website that comes up, and there's a lot of information on this meeting that we're having up in Anchorage. Plus, uh, we have a early draft of our report on that website for those who want to take a look. Again, this is an early draft, and we're definitely looking for feedback he adds they are especially seeking information from indigenous knowledge holders, which is being worked on through their Arctic Kuskokwim working group. SMU Data Arts, the National Center for Arts Research, Thursday released its 8th Arts Vibrancy Index, which identifies Juneau as number 8 in the list of 10 small communities in the United States through an analysis of the level of supply, demand, and government support for the arts in more than 900 communities across the country. Organized into three separate lists based on community population size, totaling 40 communities across the country, this year's Arts Vibrancy Index is the first to include numerical rankings since 2020, a reflection of arts organizations returning to in-person activities and performances following the easing of pandemic restrictions. Juno is returning to the Arts Vibrancy Index for the first time since 2018 and is ranked eighth on the annual list of the top 10 most arts vibrant small communities across the nation. And Trail Mix members joined Capital Chat this morning to talk about their projects this field season. Trail Program Manager Megan Tabachek says it was a busy season. Yeah, so we had an incredibly busy field season. We started in May with around 26 crew members, which is the most crew members we've ever had during a um, and it was really exciting. We were able to send four crews out into the field and accomplish a lot of projects. Um, some of my favorites, we partnered with the Forest Service for the first time in a couple of years and knocked out some really big projects with them. So fun. They're now down, and it's a really smooth, dry walk out to the windfall cabin um, for the most part. And then we worked on Peterson for a little bit and laid a lot of groundwork for next year. We're going to spend the full season on Peterson next year. So this year we started getting some stuff done there. We were up on Perseverance. We were up on Treadwell. We started a new project out at 35 Mile for the off-road vehicle park. Executive Director Ryan O'Shaughnessy talks about the annual auction. Um, an event that we love having. It's a, it's a, it's a tradition in Juneau. Um, and we weren't able to have it for a few years for the pandemic, of course. And we were very excited to come back in person this year. Uh, and this year, we're actually celebrating the 30th year of Trailmix. Trailmix wow. is 30 years old this year. Now you're up to date with News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis.